0: On this week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, Travis and I debate our selections for our first half, all MLB team, and we're finally at the All-Star break. Travis and I react to the All-Star roster selections, both the starters, the pitchers, and the reserves. We debate who got snubbed, who doesn't deserve to make it in, and of course we had to have a conversation about the trouble brewing in Anaheim. What are the Angels going to do about Shohei Otani at the trade deadline? Find out our thoughts right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy.
1: What is going on ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another episode of the two tools baseball podcast episode 103 Alex and I are coming to you it is Thursday July 6th listeners happy 4th of July Uh, I know we hadn't been uh, recording I think over the past week so just wanted to wish you guys that Uh, hope everyone had a good holiday a safe holiday Uh, hope nobody had a uh, that guy from the Giants who blew off his hand.
0: Oh, uh in football? In football. Is it um Pierre Paul?
1: Pierre Paul, that's right. <laughs> I keep on seeing those pictures every 4th of July. Uh, he still gets it
0: done though. He still gets it done. he somehow he makes an NFL career.
1: 3 or 2 fingers left and he's still out there getting sacks. So, uh Wanted to wish everybody a happy 4th of July. Alex, uh, this episode's pretty jam-packed. This is our first half episode. Uh, We're going to be taking a deep dive into the All-Star game. Uh, The All-Star rosters were finalized. Uh, We're going to go over our first half team, the All-MLB team that we see uh, best fitted for the first half of the season. We'll dive into some headlines as well that have been uh, of of recent. Um, And... I think we'll start with the biggest one, Alex. And this is uh this could be a sore subject for me and you, or it could be a uh level of some optimism, maybe for the second half. But we'll start with the Angels and Shohei Otani. But let's first start with the team that I think that everyone has their eye on this season, and that's the Los Angeles Angels. They come into the season uh with you know tons of new faces, uh a, a kind of a new a new vibe team, I would say, and uh right now you can look at it the glass is half full the glass is half empty uh I'm still looking at it as half full right now Alex I'll start but uh right now we're two games they're two games away from heading to the all-star break they are 45 and 44 so if you told a fan that in April you'd be saying that's not terrible we're above 500 still uh but it's just been an atrocious last two weeks I would say of uh of Angels baseball you have uh you know uh just a silly series in Colorado where you lose two of three, but your run differential was a million, it felt like. Um, I think before that, you get swept by the Dodgers, and then you only take two of four from the White Sox. You lose a series at home to the Corbin Carolless Diamondbacks. Then you go to San Diego, and it's it just... Man, what a devastating series that was, not only for the Angels, but for the, I would say, the fans, and also the actual players who are going to be out of the team for a couple of weeks. I'm talking about Mike Trout, uh, possibly Anthony Rendon. Um, The injury bug has just caught up with the Angels. I I know I've been saying a lot right now about the Angels, but Alex, what's your take so far on this team? I, I feel like they are probably the biggest topic in maybe not sports, but at least in the baseball world right now. I mean, there are so many questions about what does this team's 3 weeks look like as we head to the trade deadline that's the big question right now but what do you what do you make so far of this team right now they're the most interesting team out of all 30 of them
0: yeah i one thing that i hate when people say over and over again is like oh this is a big series or like oh this is a big week or this is a big you know big biggest biggest week of the season right here truly travis the next 3 weeks are the biggest 3 weeks of angels baseball um honestly probably I'm, I'm not gonna say in our life because we, went, we, we, we won a world series <laughs> yeah. in our lifetime but definitely in the Shohei otani era um the biggest three weeks of baseball um because it could mark the end of the era and it really comes down to um if the angels can um end up with a over 500 record over the course of the next three weeks if they can gain a couple games in a wild card race then absolutely they will be buying at the deadline without question i think even if they stay firmly put they'll be buying at the deadline honestly travis i think that if they are one or two games below 500 i can still see them buying at the deadline Definitely. just because yeah. of um you know you'll get mike trout back probably in um late august maybe september not exactly sure those injuries uh breaking a bone in the hand it's going to be a little uncertainty mm-hmm. about a little bit kind of feel based you know when does um when does the you know I heard that Connor Wong on the Red Sox he's coming back this week and he broke the same bone as Trout in April so he wow. was out for a longer time than average mm-hmm. and then um, I heard Jose Ramirez a uh, couple years ago. I, don't, I forget when it was. He only missed four weeks, so yep. like mm-hmm. there is a, a some some var- some variants here about how long Trout could be out. But essentially, it comes down to this: if Angels are even a few games below 500, I think the front office knows that this is our chance to show Otani they're serious about winning. Uh, and so, if if they if they think that they can make a push, um, it also kind of hinges on Zach Neto coming back. He was playing great, gets hurt in Texas. Uh, Urshela won't be back. He breaks his pelvis in Texas as well. We fill him in with Eduardo Escobar via trade. I think Eduardo has been overall a good addition so far. Um, And then you have, I mean, Ojapi was probably going to come back, I think, in August. I'm not exactly sure when either. Some of these guys just have question marks around them when they'll come back, right? But the idea is that we expect them to be back. Drury, of course, is hurt on the IL as well. Uh, his was not uh, one of these longer term injuries. So, hoping him and Neto can be back not long after the break um, is over. So, Travis, uh, my take on the team is that it's really too early to tell. The team, I believe, I firmly believe, has the talent to pretty much compete with any other team. The problem comes down to they are clearly, clearly struggling to stay healthy. They're inconsistent which that's just kind of a fact of life in the game of baseball every team is going to have ups and downs but when they were clicking um in you know kind of may going into first part of june and then like that whole stretch when they were facing against texas um lots of encouraging signs all over the place and then you end up um you know really kind of going down a downward spiral here and i think a lot of that's fueled by the injuries you know we've seen increased played appearances from guys like Andrew Velasquez, guys like um, Luis Renjifo having a more prominent everyday kind of role, you know, more reliant on guys like David Fletcher who they, they sent him down to AAA to kind of prove himself. And they kind of, you know, It's not like they called him back up because they said, oh, you've proven to us something. They called him up because we had to. Zach Neto goes down. Yep. Rendon goes down. Urshela goes down. Drury goes down. We're running out of infielders. Walsh clearly couldn't get um, his swing back after returning from injury himself. So there are just so many factors, Travis, that kind of are forcing the Angels to not play their best game the last couple weeks. And they also have not caught a break. It feels like every game, um, if it's close, they are not – able to squeak it out and, yes. and that, that's kind of the unfortunate um fact of the matter i, I still heard from believe that they can be a real uh, threat this season i don't you know i'm not some fans have already called it off done deal trout is out blah 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 you know the phillies last year travis they got hot without harper um the braves got hot without Acuna in 2021 i'm not sure what the makeup is of the rest of our team without trout i'm not sure if they are able to compare themselves to those other teams. But I definitely don't think it's a far skill gap. I think it comes down to if the team can rally together, produce all at the same time, at least get some positive regression. You know, Renfro is having a down year so far. Uh, we're going to be counting on guys like Adele, Mickey Moniak, younger guys to um, pull some weight with Trout out. Um, I think that another guy that's been impressive is Drury. Um, Neto, if he comes back soon, I think can really spark the team, Um, even without Trout. It just really comes down to, I think, having a more balanced lineup because it's been getting worse and worse as the injuries have piled up. And so, um, you know, my opinion on the team as it stands, still um, hopeful, cautiously hopeful that um, things can turn around as the injuries kind of start coming back uh, activated under the team. But Travis, yeah, the Mike Trout injury is a big blow like a non-contact injury just swinging the bat um i know you had that injury before Travis. but did you get it from just swinging the bat as well
1: yeah check swing knob kind of digs into your palm and it's funny you know with that i i thought i just had a sprained wrist which was mike trout thought too uh you 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 tape your wrist up every single day thinking that it's going to just heal on its own uh but for me i think i played an extra two weeks on practice with it and then it just got progressively worse and then you basically lose all strength in that hand Uh, you can't even pick up a baseball bat, but, uh, I was just so glad to hear that. I believe he had the surgery like 30 hours after the game or something or something like that. He
0: knows that time is of the essence. Exactly.
1: Which I'm, I'm really happy because you can either, you know, what happened with me is they casted my arm up for six weeks and then I got the cast off and then to come find out the bone never healed back. And it was just still sitting in my hand. Um, pinching a nerve and then later that summer after my baseball season was season was up in college. I got the surgery and I think after after like four weeks, I think I was able to do like full movement like I think I was swinging like golf club and all that kind of stuff. So like all the strength was kind of coming back, but it's different for everybody. You're right. I know you said Connor Wong just came back. Um, and that that was almost like an eight week process. Jose Ramirez make, came back after four weeks. I know Giancarlo Stanton broke it. Uh, I think it was back in like twenty seventeen. It's a very awkward swing that you have, and then you, you just it, it just feels like it, something's not right in your wrist, and uh, come to find out that it's in your hand. It, it's it's a very honestly it's 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 a useless bone. It's the stupidest injury because there's really nothing that you can do to prevent it it's just a broken bone that happens on a swing and so uh it's a common golf and baseball injury so it's again it's just unfortunate um but Alex you brought up a good point you know with all these injuries and and honestly the good news for Angel fans and I think the Angels in general is that they start the second half and hopefully you start the second half with Zach Neto Brandon Drury And also Matt Moore, a guy out of the bullpen, all healthy. And they can come through and provide, you know, very valuable time for this club because they're going to need some guys to step up. I also look at some ways, uh, some, you know, bright, bright spots as well. If Rendon were to come back at the start of the second half and, you know, and Ward's healthy comes back. These are guys that are absolutely hitting at a career low. You know, you, you feel like these guys can only get better like you you honestly think that this might this should be rock bottom for some of these guys where
0: that's how i felt uh, about renfro for the last couple months maybe him too you know i mean
1: slugging below a 450 right now that's just not hunter renfro that's not the style he plays we know the batting average and the on base it might be a little bit of a, you know concern but i'm not worried cuz i'm just looking at renfro as an extra base hit machine i don't care what else he whatever else he does But you look at some of these guys that have just been hitting so poorly and you just got to say to yourself, I mean, it's just kind of bad luck and hopefully mid-July, everything can kind of turn around. Hopefully some of these guys use this break as a time to refresh your bodies, refresh your minds, maybe get some reps in the cage, focus on little things, and then you can hit the ground running come the second half. I would say a good thing, some people might look at it as a bad thing, but a good thing is you start the second half with... Two teams that are right above you, the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. Two teams that honestly, I, I I don't see as dominant ball clubs this year, and I could see them falling to a team like the Angels both times. Both series are going to be at Angel Stadium, so I think that's a very big two um, two big series for Angel Angels to take advantage and take both series, win two of three. Uh, I I think that's going to be one of the big key moments of the season if they can actually be successful with this team without a Mike Trout um without you know a Giorgio or a Logan O'Hoppy some of these big, big key role players uh we'll, we'll see what happens but i mean you got to think yeah it's the lowest part of the season uh you got to think also it can only go up from here but it is a very tough finish to July after this all-star break but i tell you man i i think they picked the the best time to struggle the most because we need this break more than anybody. We need to show he needs to rest on the pitching because uh, he came out of the game with, I think another blister or a, uh, a cracked fingernail. So use the next, you know, week and a half to get healthy there. And then he'll make his start for the first game of the series uh, against the Astros. But yeah, it's, I mean, you are going to be looking at, I think a crucial two weeks of baseball for angels and angels fans because if things just don't go right if you don't if, if you if you drop the series to the Astros and the Yankees and then things kind of trickle and you keep on having some losing baseball you got to think that come you know come that that deadline I think July 31st, you know, Perry the GM is going to have to make a very big decision. I know he's stated he's not going to do it. Uh he's going to keep Otani but you almost got to think as well.
0: Uh, how many games below – I'll say how many mm-hmm. games out of the wild card do you think they'd have to be to actually put it out there? Because if they're yep. going to trade them, they're probably going to put it out there yep, so yep. they can start a bidding war. Yep. But I
1: – I think you got to be more than five games out of the third seed, the third wild card seed.
0: Okay. I well, I, I, I just well, think – Right now, I think they're four games out.
1: They are four games out right so, now. So yep, yep. –
0: I think the gap might be bigger than than five. It could. It, I mean, it comes down to this. Another factor that's probably underrated in this in this kind of you know uh, calculus determining where the angels need to be to be buyers or sellers is um, Artie Moreno, the owner. Yep. He was going to sell the team. Decided not to. Said unfinished business. Um, I think he does not want to be known as the guy who sold Otani. He, I don't know how much longer he will be the owner. He is older. I'm not sure if he wants to sell the team in his lifetime. I'm not sure what his mindset is right now. But either way, I think that if he were to trade Otani, it would be part of his legacy. If the haul that came back did not um, produce, I think that he can at least say, um, in terms of keeping up his own image, he can at least say, well, we gave him this monster offer and he declined it um, in free agency i think if at least that happened he'd feel better about himself regardless of the product on the field um i think the general manager perry manassian has always been very aggressive he uh, is very willing to cut players that are not performing even if they are uh veterans of the game especially hall of famers like albert pools he cut uh manager joe madden who is a World Series champion, and uh, he just has kind of—he's got no chill. Uh, Travis Perry is just kind of down to—he's kind of savage, in my opinion. But yep. he'll call up guys who—it um, almost seems like no other team would be that aggressive with the call-ups, like Zach Neto, and Ben Joyce. I mean, these guys got drafted literally less than twelve months from their debut, uh, and so all that—all that is to say, this Travis, I—I I personally think that if Angels had a losing record, if they were five games below five hundred. I'm sorry. Five games out of the wild card at the deadline, I think Perry would trade Otani. I don't think Artie will let him. That's gonna be my kind of Mm -hmm. um, official opinion at the as it currently stands. I'm not sure if Artie maybe Artie just wants to make the playoffs this year and then sell a team and then try to sell a team again. I'm not sure what this kind of unfinished business game plan of his is, but I could definitely see a situation where. The owner says you know what um let's just give otani a massive offer we're not gonna trade him we're gonna try to keep him if he goes somewhere else um then i feel comfortable stepping down um from ownership uh, trying to sell the team and let someone else kind of start fresh um
1: very true very true i yeah I, I look at it too that way and i also see otani is your you know your prize possession if you it's almost like if you were to re-sign him in the off season you just increased your sale by 500 to 1 billion, you know, 500 million dollars to a billion dollars. I feel like you could add on because that new owner is going to acquire a 10 year contract with Shohei Otani. And you know, it's not just the player player you're getting, you're going to get the billions of dollars of advertisements. You're going to get, you know, national and global recognition. Um, and if you lose Otani, then now you're sitting with a ball club that has a you know, still productive, but aging Mike Trout, um, you know, a farm system that is slowly getting better, but you're just in a, in a very difficult position where I wonder if the price that he was asking last year will have to be, you know, decreased by a couple, what hundred million dollars or, you know, $500 million, because now you lose that, that huge, um, asset in, uh, in, in, in what your, what your clubs valued at. But, uh, you're right. I, I could see, I could see that in a lot of ways. I could see him, I could see Artie saying, no, like we're, we're all in, I'm going to give him the highest paid contract in, in history. And, uh, we we know Artie is not, he's willing to spend insane amounts of money so that he can, he can almost want to say have that pride of having the big names on the angels. Uh, you know, I wish that there are ways he would spend big money in terms of smart picks in terms of winning. Um, I mean, but yeah, yeah. Th-
0: there's no question how much he has benefited financially from yep. Otani's breakout in terms of, we complain all the time, every Angels giveaway. I mean the 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 B plus players on the Angels last few years, <laughs> yes, absolutely yeah. no giveaways, no recognition on a team level. Otani deserves all the praise in the world, absolutely. But it's just kind of funny when there's like four different Otani bobbleheads in a given season and zero for anyone else, maybe one for Mike Trout, four for Otani, and then just like nothing for, you know, any other achievements, you know. It just kind of uh, kind of interesting i'll say um and it, is. But it definitely it definitely is you know already the owner goes where the money's at and then the money is um definitely with otani and his ability to kind of pull advertisers and and the fans and everything else and and um travis any other kind of thought on the situation because i'm kind of of the mindset wait and see i think in in two weeks from now maybe like a week and a half after like the all-star break concludes of much better idea, you know. I mean, at that point in time, we can be four four games above 500 or four mm-hmm. games below it, and that will um, could be the nail in the coffin, or it could be the signs of life that the team needs to get aggressive. I, I, I really, I, I really kind of want to just see how ballsy Perry Manassian will be if he gets the green light and or essentially gets told to go for it all this year i mean i could see arty moreno saying no matter what happens in free agency if if, if we don't make the playoffs and we lose otani or whatever it might be even if we lost some assets by trades by being aggressive at the deadline he's still gonna make a huge cash out he's yep. still gonna make a massive profit on the investment well you're getting you're getting the ticket Angels. sales in
1: september and that's something he hasn't had in what but seven eight years so
0: so but he, and even if he's if he Makes all those deals and then decides to sell the team. He's gonna cash out huge no yep. matter what because he bought the team for like. I mean, he's already multiplied his investment by ten, right? I mean, exactly. he bought
1: the team in what two thousand three or four? Yeah,
0: exactly. And so, with that in mind, I think he may just have the mindset of uh, last dance. I think you used that term to me, um, <laughs> yep, yep. just like, <laughs> and you know, we. I don't know who the. I guess how tiny be the Michael Jordan in the situation, but you know, no one on the Angels has really earned a last dance because there's not been really a run, right? Like the last dance was the last dance because they had this run of five titles in in like seven years or whatever it was. But um, I think that this is like, this potentially could be Artie's RD, last dance going aggressive at the deadline, even if the team is a slightly, slightly losing record, um, just to kind of do their best to make that push into the wild card picture come August, come September. I, I just really want to see what would Perry Manassian do? How ballsy would he get on the trade market um, given the green light? I, I really would be interested to see um, how explosive it could get.
1: What What's crazy is even looking at their schedule, you know, tomorrow, Friday, July 7th, you know, you have a two-game series to finish up the season series against the Dodgers. So um, Kershaw, I think, was slated to pitch, but he is now injured. So now I think that's Michael Grove or um, or someone else for the Dodgers so you almost look at that and say if we could just split that series I think that's a win because you go into the all-star break above 500 um, you start the next series on Friday July 14th three at home against Houston three at home against the Yankees that's I mean that, that's a tough six game stretch right there and that's I mean it's crazy enough to think with that, that that's really what we're going to see what this team is made of because then you have three more games uh it's a nine game homestand so again maybe this homestand can just be a a rebirth you know a a new fresh start for this team but you have three games against pittsburgh who they have been trending downwards i would say since uh beginning of may when they were on a, a such an incredible start uh you have three against pittsburgh then you go to detroit who we all know is just it's not a good baseball team over there you have three at detroit um And after that Detroit series, you're sitting at, you're sitting on Friday, July 28th. And I I would say you have two very tough series and then two very obtainable series. So again, if you kind of look at it and say, hey, they're going to cancel each other out.
0: It it comes down to how good are we playing? Exactly. It
1: comes down to how good you're playing, what the health on some of our other players are looking at and looking like. Um, you know, if we go into late July and they say, Oh, Mike Terrell is going to, he's looking, looking to make a rehab start in the next week and a half, you know, then you can kind of have more optimism there, but then you go to Toronto for three games and, you know, Toronto is hit and miss, but it's really funny. They finish out, uh, the last day of July at Atlanta which is Perry's old home, uh, where he used to be a member of the Atlanta Braves. So, uh, it's, you almost think, would he make that big, uh, make that big decision at you know at his former ball club's uh park in atlanta which again is, is a very tough series atlanta has been the best team i think so far in major leagues this year they've just had an incredible month of june but um again it, it's it's going to come down it, you're looking at now every game weighs so much it almost it, we're almost turning into the 2020 season where every game i think felt like it was a three game you know it, it was a three game value or three game result Uh, if you lost a game that was like the equivalent of losing three games if you if you won two in a row you basically won six in a row so um, every game now just holds so much weight in what this decision is going to be later on this month it's you know I don't want to say you've never seen this before but it's really it's it's really remarkable what we what we could witness in the next upcoming weeks I feel like angels might get a lot of prime time games because of how much value some of these uh some of these games hold it. They may not just because the team is not looking great on paper, but, uh, big questions could be coming down. And if you're playing well, I mean, honestly, Alex, if you're playing really well, and if also, if you're playing 500 baseball, if, yeah, yeah. I think Perry's going to make some very aggressive moves and if he's, he's going to go out there and get some big players. You if they
0: are 500, I have absolutely no doubt that they're going to be buyers in a big way. Um, especially because, because
1: if, if you finish 81 and 81 in the season, you're most most times you're only you know five games or so out of a playoff spot you know and,
0: and and i think if you were 500 at the deadline you'd have this knowledge we are getting we just got neto back we just got jury back we're going to get trout and oh back and i think oh taken
1: taking dry swings already so it's like you, you, you i could saw something look, like you could, like could be that, looking yeah. at a mid-august return of oh which now you have a you know a Thice oh Hopi duo is 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 very good
0: and like i mean there's guys we haven't even mentioned that are hurt and should be coming back hopefully ben joyce there's no timetable but you know it's just crazy how many guys on the angels have gotten hurt and travis nevin had a quote after the loss um just last night uh, in san diego he said something to the effect of uh, i'm not gonna blame the injuries travis I am going to blame the injuries. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know why you. I mean, obviously. I he think, has to be I, the tough guy, right? I, yeah. I, I think he said something like, like, I'm not going to make excuses about the injuries. Yeah. Travis, excuses or not, like that, in my opinion, really kind of derailed our momentum. Um, that series in Texas, we won three of four, but losing Neto, Shella, Rendon went down. He came back, went down again. It's like, it's just crazy how. Um, the team has been unable to kind of stay afloat in terms of having their, you know, at least seven or eight of their nine that they kind of started opening day with. Their lineup yesterday was, I think if I showed you the lineup yesterday, Travis, if I showed you that on opening day, like yeah. it, it, it'll be early July and we'll have Eduardo Escobar batting second and yeah. the last three hitters are going to be, you know, Andrew Velasquez and Luis Ronjifo and whoever else. It's just it's better than Lagarus and Villar. That's all I'll say. It, it it has been worse. The depth, even though these injuries are killer, the depth still is better now than it was last year and year uh, before. Still, that being said, um, obviously the Angels, something has to give with the with the health with the injury luck. If the injury luck continues the way it's been, there's just no chance. Like if Trout and Neto and or and uh jerby all just stay out there's just no chance i mean the team definitely needs um those kind of reinforcements coming back off the il if those guys come back refreshed i think there's still a lot possible but travis um before we uh spend another 30 minutes on the topic let us (laughs) kind of shift gears here what should we talk about next um
1: let's get into uh Actually, here I think I think you had some topics extension,
0: right? I'll throw something at you Travis. This is a little something I just kind of realized as I was just sitting on the couch just thinking about uh you know our preseason thoughts on the season oh, yeah. some of our first episode of the season stuff and I just kind of want to put you on the spot here Travis. I'm just going to kind of uh see see what your reaction is to this. So I believe going into the year you had both of us give just a gut pick on division winners, I think probably World Series champion, MVP maybe. And it wasn't like a research thing. It was just like a gut thing. Yeah. Do you remember who you picked for the NL divisions? Because I believe that you picked... It's it's not been good, yeah. The Mets... The Mets, the, yeah, Cardinals the Cardinals, and the Padres, the-
1: who are all like pa- Padres. <laughs> but I also was thinking Dodgers are just kind of a safe lock. I kind of want to be a little bit a little fun here, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I, the Padres. Because
0: I just, I just remember I just remember having a, I mean, that team on
1: paper is ridiculous, right?
0: I completely agree, but I, <laughs> I I I just thought it was funny that I think the AL we picked the same three teams, yeah. and the NL NO, we picked three different teams, and I feel like I went with like. I don't know if it's the safe choice is the right word, but, like, the Braves, the Brewers, who are not even playing that great mm-hmm, either, mm-hmm. Um, but they were winning the division. Um, you went with Brewers, yep, and then I think and you went uh, you just went Dodgers. Dodgers, yeah, yeah. And so it's just funny how... Um, I didn't dislike your picks at the time, but it's just crazy how you somehow, like... You, you hit, like, a... It's kind of a bingo. You, like, hit, like, three teams that are just having, like, this crazy, disastrous it could, a, it could have been a good uh, uh,
1: uh, parlay to say all three of these teams will not make the playoffs next they, year. They
0: will yeah. all finish below 500. Yep. I wonder what that would have got you on DraftKings yeah. or FanDuel yeah. or whatever. But I um, thought that was funny, Travis. Um, another note on the Dodgers I'll bring up real quick. Uh, something that's pretty crazy, and I think it's the biggest difference between them um, in the last few years versus this year. I still think they're a very good team, but something has, has been a bit... Um, something has shifted in a way where I feel like they're no longer quite the same um, machine that they might have been in the past. And here's one reason why. Travis, since uh integration, since Jackie Robinson uh, debuted in the National League, um, the three best ERA plus teams in that span from then to now are the 2022 Dodgers, the 2020 Dodgers, and the 2021 Dodgers. The 2022 Dodgers had the best ERA plus by any team in the AL or NL since the the 1906 Cubs. Hmm. So that just goes to show you how absolutely dominant their pitching was. And they had injuries, and they lost guys. They lost Scherzer to Mm -hmm. free agency. Um, Bueller goes down. May has been injured constantly. Kershaw gets hurt once a year. They still manage to get the most out of these pitchers um, year in and year out. Travis, this season, they are currently 23rd in baseball in ERA at a 4.54. I think that that team ERA, even though they're still a real good team, a World Series threat for sure, that's like this interesting change that's happened that you know i still feel like when i look at the dodgers rotation it doesn't you know i will say it's it's a bit shallow and they probably wanted to get more out of Cindergaard, who had a really bad time they probably want to use their rookies a bit less but they've had to kind of rely on guys like sheehan guys like miller um, grove you mentioned earlier they have to kind of call on those guys quite a bit. Um, May is getting hurt again. He's going to have surgery to repair something on his U- UCL, I believe. Um, and then Kershaw is getting hurt again. So I just feel like their reinforcements in that pitching department is not quite as good as it was in the years past, which is resulting in you know kind of trusting some guys you wish you didn't have to trust. Um, there's not a real big flashy name out of the bullpen. I still trust their bullpen. Um, I trust the names in their bullpen, I should say. They definitely put on a clinic against the Angels in Anaheim. They had a bullpen game. They allowed no runs, uh, at all. Almost like a couple, it was like two hit game or something like that. But, but any other thoughts? I mean, I feel like the, the Dodgers, um, The offense, they piece it together every year. J.D. Martinez on kind of a cheap deal. He says like he's like 20 homers already. You know, Mookie and Freeman step up big time. They still get stuff every night out of whoever it is, whether it be Outman, whether it be uh, Hayward, whether it be Peralta. Guys step up consistently. Um, Will Smith having a career year. But I think that pitching might be what separates them from a team like the Braves, um, from a team like... uh, I'm not sure who's going to come out of the AL yet. You know, I still feel like, you know, whether it be the Rays or the Astros or whoever it might be. um, I still feel like the Dodgers, that might be the difference between them being like this lock as a top tier team versus more of a kind of team that has to kind of work a bit harder to make it into the playoffs.
1: Yeah. It feels like they're, they're almost a lock for, you know, to finish in a top six spot in the national league. Um, They just have the players to do so. Uh, They tend to always do that, but yeah, this year, Alex, it it's season ended today, it would it would look very different, I think, at um on that Dodgers pitching staff because you know, we're seeing an just an absolute awful year from Julio Urias, who's I think last year had the best ERA in baseball.
0: I think twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two seasons combined, he had the best ERA in baseball.
1: And now he is kissing a five ERA. Um Noah Syndergaard has not worked out at all. Uh, Dustin May was working out, but now he, of course, is done for the year. Uh, Bobby Miller, who I still believe is gonna be a great, great piece uh, for the future. He, you know, he started out very hot. He is he is five and one, um, but he has got blown up some of his starts. He had a, has a four, five ERA right now. Gonsolin, a three, six, nine, which is I think actually right where he's kind of, he he should be at. He almost, I would say he definitely overperformed last year. Uh, and then this year Kershaw it's again, I, I can't solve the guy. I, I don't get it every year. I mean, last two years, it's been a one year deal and he's just
0: ages, no number for him. It does not matter. It's
1: absolutely insane how good he still is and how no team has given this guy a three year deal for, you know, I, I think if he's been getting about a one year, $20 million deal for the past two years, I, I just, I find it so funny that no one just said, let's give him a two or three year deal for $50 million and kind of let it ride and see what we get out of him. Maybe he could be a really good trade option if we're not doing good, or also he can be a really good piece for our rotation. I know he was rumored a lot in the, uh, in the Texas Rangers uh, pitching staff. I feel like for the last couple of years, because he's from the area, but um, yeah, it, it going into a playoff series right now, Alex, I mean, it, it, it definitely is, it's going to be their weakness, I would say. So, uh, They, of course, are a team, Alex. I am very confident that they'll be aggressive, of course, at the deadline. Um, They're probably looking for a pitcher uh, drastically. And I know there's a guy in Anaheim that I know they're looking to add on. But uh,
0: and that's something we didn't touch on that we will save it for closer to the deadline. But I also think people who who are clamoring for an Otani trade, I don't. I I honestly just don't really see what's the package. What would a team actually give up? I'll put it this way. Outside of the Dodgers and the Padres, for me, they're the two teams that I feel like should feel confident. At least very comfortable. If we trade for this guy, we think we can extend him in the offseason. We think he'll want to stay. If we can make a playoff run with him... Um, get him sold on the vibe I think we can get him to stay outside of that like if the Yankees or I mean the Red Sox or the Mets um, other big markets that have been linked to him like any, any either Chicago team like the bigger market teams I just don't really know if they should feel comfortable about being able to keep him after trading him mm-hmm. and then how much how many guys are you going to really give up from your farm system or even your active roster for a two-month rental even though it'll be the two best two-month rental in the history of the sport yeah yeah. um it still could be a two-month rental if you don't feel confident you're going to keep them that's just kind of why i'm not 100 sold on like this grandfather package from a team like we're, we're talking about cardinals um last off season and what kind of package could they give I could we get packages, walker yeah. mm-hmm. or win or matt Li- liberatore or or, or Hormann. Hormann.
1: yeah yeah there's there, there there's a number of options for but, the cardinals
0: but 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 in hindsight travis if they had done that they'd still wouldn't be a winning team this year because yeah. they're just too far below 500 and i don't know if they would have been able to keep otani because mm-hmm. they would have, probably have a losing record they'd miss the playoffs and otani's like well why would I miss the playoffs in the middle of America when I can go back to the West coast where I've always kind of enjoyed being and closer to Japan, of course, and easier to travel. I can go, if I want to miss the playoffs, I can just go over there and do it as well. But I think for a team that feels confident about winning and about keeping him outside of LA Dodgers and the Padres, I'm not sure I see a package. So maybe if they're going to bid against each other, that could drive the price up. But if it's just like the Dodgers and no one else like bidding for him at a trade deadline, I can't see that package getting to a point where we say, yeah, it's worth it for like one of their top 10. Like mm-hmm. it would have mm-hmm. to be a substantial package to actually move him because if you move him, I believe that you're...
1: You're saying goodbye. Yeah.
0: You, you are cutting a cord and yes, it is possible for him to come back in the off season. But I think that um, you are saying goodbye, like you said. It is definitely just a... He, he'll be getting a new job, essentially. He'll be having a new employer. He'll be having a new system because he has operated very well in the Angels system. He has his own you know, schedule that he can stick to, and that's going to obviously have to change a bit with the new team. So I think he'll probably want to keep up some consistency and not kind of flip-flop away from the Angels and then come back. But... Um, that was my quick little rant about like the trade yeah. package topic. We'll get more into it if it looks like the Angels might end up trading them come later in July. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I had on that. Um,
1: yeah, all I I'll have to say is I, I think a team... I almost feel like a team that would want Otani would be someone that is is just almost too desperate for a World Series ring or so, and, so, someone uh, that maybe is 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 really... Wanting to impress and show the fans, like, we're doing so well this year, let's try and make it a more uh memorable year. I know yesterday we were in a group chat, I threw out uh just out of fun and and honestly uh, optimism, I, I threw out Miami. I said, um, Miami would be a really fun place. Um, their GM, Kim Ang, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, being a pioneer of. Uh, the GM world of you know being a a woman and also a um a woman of Asian descent. And you just don't see that. She's the first of her kind. So that's really special. And then you look at Otani being a pioneer of his own. Um, those two I think could have a really good relationship and uh can really bond. Miami, I don't know if if it's Otani's dream spot to be uh, you know, playing there for the rest of his decade, if he wants to be a Marlin or if he wants to go somewhere to a bigger city. Um, that's a, that's a question mark that I think a lot of us would like to know, but uh, only, only Shohei knows that answer. And, um, they definitely
0: have the pieces to make a trade.
1: They have the pieces to make a trade. And also, you know, with their record right now sitting at 51 and 37, I mean, what's funny is you showed me today, Alex, you know, a, a negative run differential, but they are the second best team in the national league, which is just in my mind, just I can't believe it. And they're sitting at a great spot. They're they're easily looking at a four or a fifth seed in the wild card, I would definitely say. Um, as long as these things kind of keep going. And I definitely see a guy um like Otani being a you know a frontline starter for them and a big piece to uh be in that lineup because we've looked, I think we looked at their lineup last episode, and there was only one or two guys that had OPS pluses above like a 110. I think it was Arias and it was Soler. So they could use another thumper in that road, or in that in that lineup to uh to really help out. But would the Angels be looking to get some of their big starting pitching you know prospects? Um I threw out Yuri Perez. I I don't think they would give him away because just because I think Perez is going to be a superstar in the next two years. Um, they also have guys like Edward Cabrera, Max Mayer, who is still a prospect. He's one of their top, um, I think, top 50 prospects uh, or a top 50 uh, out of 100 prospects in MLB minor leagues right now. Um, also got, you know, a greatly talented player in Chaz, uh, Jazz Chisholm, uh, the cover of MLB, MLB The Show this year. But they have some fun pieces, but I, I just feel like at sometimes you look at some of these teams and it's the team that just wants to make the biggest surprise and the biggest splash their fan base uh outside of 2020 Miami has not made the playoffs since 2003 maybe they could be a team that kind of breaks that uh if you want to say that almost 20 year uh you know 20 year drought but uh it's again it I don't want to trade them just to say get rid of them I want to get the right pieces as well you know
0: Right, I agree with that. Um, there are teams out there, Terrace, who I think could offer the right pieces. I think you know in that group chat you mentioned, uh, one of our friends mentioned Baltimore Orioles. I do think that they have the pieces to make a deal. The Angels would accept. That being said, I think if the Orioles, I think, I think their their
1: entire payroll is forty million dollars.
0: <laughs> I mean, so they and they could so you could say that they could afford them. You could put <laughs> it that way. Whatever the extension is, if they have to pay him one hundred million a year, Actually, you
1: are getting. 15 years and 150
0: mil. <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's worth saying that if they take an honest look in the mirror, no shade, Travis, to, to the city of Baltimore. I just don't know if they can feel super, super comfortable about their chance to keep him. Not only has he I said he likes the West Coast, um, that would be a reason why I think the Mets and the Yankees might sweat a trade a little bit. But we're talking about Baltimore Orioles here, a team, obviously they have history, um, but I think that just not quite the same brand, not quite the same level of a market that um, obviously they would benefit from Shohei a bunch, but I'm just not sure uh, they would be his first choice to stay with them if they traded for him um, when it comes to free agency. But, Travis, let us move on before we end up talking about Otani. That was a fun hour, huh? We'll talk about Otani for two hours, three hours, um, if we don't stop ourselves. So, let's bring in a new topic here. Let's talk a bit about the... Should we go for the all-star stuff first or the first half teams? Let's do let's big, do first half big call okay we'll do first, first, first half, half teams yeah
1: because I, I know most of those guys we talked about will already be on the all-star team and all-star is kind of just a review on um who made it who made it over the last couple of days and it has just been disrespected so that'll be fun you know debate to get into but we can quickly run through kind of our first half cool. uh, team if the season ended today mm-hmm. we, we do these every month um and then of course uh, i'd like to do it after the first half just to see kind of where we are and what players are trending um, in in the right direction. but uh, Alex, I'll let you start at the catcher position. Give me who you got. I'll give you who I got and we can uh, we can discuss if we have any differences.
0: Okay, so when it comes to catcher Travis, I ended up going with Sean Murphy. I just feel like it's kind of been his season in many ways. I think that uh, what he's been able to do on that team, uh, has been special. Before I make a big case, let me hear who you got, and then we'll discuss.
1: I agree. Okay, <laughs> it's Sean okay. Murphy, best WAR, um best OPS plus, best batting average. Um, I I don't know if it's the most home runs, but he's got all those in first place for the catching. Spot I think he's the tied entire-
0: for. I think he's tied for the most home runs, tied yeah. with actually Salvador. What I'm seeing here is tied with uh, Francisco Alvarez. Is, oh, wow. is, is Salvador okay. also on this list? Let me see. So they're at fifteen, and yeah, Salvador also has fifteen. 15. So it's a three-way okay. tie. Three-way tie. Um, but yeah, looking at the Fangraphs war, Murphy leads despite having fewer plate appearances by a big uh, chunk than guys like Jonah Heim. A little bit behind Will Smith in uh, in a home, in a plate appearances as well. Overall, Travis Murphy provides a great bat, one of the best bats. I would say the best bat. Him and Will Smith probably one uh, A and one B. Um, but the two, you know, one of the top two bats at the catcher position. And then also, um, one of the best gloves this season at the catcher position, he has the power, like you said, the average has been great. I can see that dropping down a bit, but I still think he walks enough and has enough power for the OPS plus numbers, the, uh, woba everything like that's all going to stay really good. So he's just overall, um, having a prime, prime season from a guy who Travis, what did the A's get to him again? It, it's really sad. It let's let, let, let just not do it. Let's just not do it. It's, we'll just I, keep it wrong. I, I was
1: just thinking about it. I'm like the the A's are the triple A team for the for the Atlanta Braves right now. I mean Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. It's yeah. I mean both guys are are having absolute you know fantastic seasons, and uh, it just it. Again, I
0: let's I, not let, let's not bury them. Let's yeah. just let let's, let's keep it. I don't rolling. get how you get
1: robbed that badly.
0: <laughs> but uh, any yeah, catcher spot, Travis. I mean, there was small considerations to Will Smith. I think Jonah Haim has been very underrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has gotten some buzz. He is going to be in the All Star game, I believe. Yes, yep. But yep. Uh, yeah, overall, uh, Murphy's the guy this year so far in the first half. First base and second base, Travis. Would you like to go first?
1: I will. Yeah. Um, first base, second base. I went with both uh NL guys this is uh Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers and Luis Arias of the Marlins um first base Alex I I think we're going to be different I it's such a such a tight race I would say it, it really is at first base um second base you could look at it different ways um there are a couple other guys that have their um, um strong points to make a good argument but I just think Luis Arias with how he's been you know so close to that 400, um, batting average, the whole entire first half, I, you got to give him the, uh, the credit right there. He has dipped. I think he's hitting 386 now. And you know, I, I don't know what, how far you can really go down before you say, you know, okay, it's, it's over. It's, it's the hype's kind of done. I mean, I always thought that he was never, this was never going to be done a 400 season, um, in today's game. And, um, yeah, I mean, right now he's just slowly getting down, but 386 is, I mean, still unbelievable. But that is my right side of the infield, Alex. Who do you got?
0: Yeah, this is really hard. First base, I think, is really hard. Um, second base, we agree. I also went with Luis Arise. Mm-hmm. First base, I want someone different. I'm going with Yandi Diaz. Um, might be a little bit of personal bias. I think that gave him the tiebreaker because he does have just um, the best bat, according to WRC Plus, of the trio that I considered. The trio being Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, and Yandy Diaz. I think all have been spectacular, all great hitters. Different hitters, I would say, all of them. Olsen has really been the power hitter of the group. Freeman um, has the kind of contact... Uh, avoiding strikeout kind of tool Yandi is also an all-around hitter kind of like freeman but comes from the right side of the plate probably more raw power than freeman um overall and the defense none of them are that great at defense so yep, that's almost yep. kind of a wash um i just ended up kind of giving the tiebreaker to Yandi. he has the fewest games played and fewest pas of that trio um, and though his war is pretty similar, but you know, it, it, I could see that going um any of the three ways, Travis, those three I mentioned would be very, very okay with. And there's other guys almost in that conversation too. I mean, Goldschmidt compared to last year is not playing that great, but he's still hitting the ball very well. I'd say a 370 on base and a 482 slugging. Um Christian Walker, I think, is having a great slugging as well. He's had 18 home runs, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Olsen at 29 homers. It's weird. it's weird how he's like doubled Yandi and freddy but like their are on base and slugging all kind of balances out doesn't yes. it very
1: surprising i i i saw that and i was you know to the naked eye i, I probably would have went matt Olson, but you look at the stats yeah the wrc plus is uh is led by Yandi diaz mm-hmm. uh you know i think freeman has a slight edge in maybe the on base and the slugging category, or maybe one of them has a, a slight edge on one of them, but it, the, the OPSs are all so similar. Yes. But what's funny is that Olsen has is just so many home runs. He is right behind Otani for the MLB lead. So um, all three guys are 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 very well deserving. I think that it just came down to two guys, and that's Freeman and Diaz. You could flip a coin, honestly.
0: Uh, and then looking at second base, Travis, um, Luisa Rise, in, in, I would say in 99% of fans it's an easy pick Mm -hmm. for me it was really tough Mm -hmm. um i don't know if it was easy for you it it was if for me i i I, he had the best ops
1: and he had the best uh you know batting average which um you know he had a, a very significant batting average so i looked at it and it was um it, it definitely caught my
0: eye, you know, I mean, his batting average is like better than like any other second baseman's on base, on base, yeah. which like yeah. that, that's what really did it for me. I, I, I don't, he's not, I'm not super, super high on him just because I just know that the, I just, I'm sorry, America, the it. average is going to come down, um, by a good chunk. Um, the average being at 384, it's great for the first half. And so I'm glad I had him on. He deserves credit. So I'm glad I included him on my team here. But I mean, I just know that it's going to end the season. You know, I would, I would, I would, if I had to guess, I'd say south of 350, you know, it's going to come down a lot in my, in my opinion, at least. Um, and then the defense is, uh, much, much worse than the other guys that were competing for this spot. Guys like uh, Taro Estrada, Marcus Simeon, Hastian Kim. I have much better defensive uh, grades Kim. on Fangraphs. Kim graphs. was a surprise on the war. I think it's all his glove. His glove yeah. is super, super like special. Like 3 right now. Yeah, his, his, his bat is just a bit above league average, like 11% above league average. But his... Uh, Glove is unbelievable. Also, has stolen 15 bags, um, so that's a bonus as well. Luisa Rice not throughout the base paths really. It's just the elite, elite hit tool right now. Um, is is of course one of one in the game. No one has the level of um, contact hitting that he does at this moment, um, and so he he earns the spot strictly because of how good that part of his game has been in the first half I don't I'll be honest I don't expect him to be my pick come October mm-hmm. but let's see let's see if he can kind of keep this hot streak and how long he can keep it going
1: and one guy that uh, you didn't mention but um Albi's 22 home runs uh to end of the first half I I mean he he's a guy that could be flirting with 40 home runs at the season end if that uh pace continues and you know we haven't seen a 40 home run season from a second baseman since i think marcus Simeon in 2021 and that was kind of like a uh I would you could definitely say maybe like an all-time season from the second base spot it was outstanding but uh i i would definitely agree with you i think a rise will dip on the batting average i think you could see a um a you know a 346 or a, you know somewhere in that 330 to 340 range at the batting average at the end of the season on base somewhere around 400, maybe a slugging percentage somewhere around like 450. So, you know, you're probably looking at an 850 OPS. Um, market, book it, come fact check me in October.
0: You're locking it in?
1: Locking it in, yep. yep.
0: I, if I had to look forward to October, Travis, one guy I'm keeping my eye on is Cattell Marte. You mentioned Albies. I think they're quite similar players. Mm-hmm. Um, both have a bit of a stolen base component to their game. Both have six steals, so nothing crazy but no slouch on the base paths at least. Um, Marte walks a bit more, um, but has the fewer home runs, so kind of a give and take there. Um, the average on base slugging, um, it all kind of averages out. Cattell is slightly favored on the OPS overall. Um, play similar defense at second base. Their war- their graphs war is tied, Albies and Marte. I just really like Marte um this season how he's been uh, able to produce at the plate I think that he might just keep up what he's been able to do I'm not saying that you know he I, he's not I'm not trying to act like it's like some sort of bold take he's going to be the best second base at the end of the year I just like the guy and I'm going to keep my eye on him he he is actually sixth in Fangraph's war um and only like 0.5 behind being uh behind a rise so I think that there's a definitely a chance that uh, Marte, Semyon, and even Kim could end up um, overtaking a rise in the second half for our second base ranking. But, Travis, let's Definitely. look at the left side of the infield now. Shortstop and third base, I guess I will go first now. More tough tough decisions at shortstop for me, Travis. Really? I'll start with third base. Okay. Third base, I am going with a surprise for me, Jose Ramirez. Um a classic guy who consistently ends up at the top of these third base leaderboards year in and year out. He didn't have a great start to the season, but we're already halfway through and he has the best uh, WRC plus amongst guys who are playing the position every day. Isaac Paredes does have a better number there, but he kind of gets you. I mean, he has almost a hundred plate appearances. He's like 70 plate appearances less than J Ram because Rays are using lots of platooning there to help Preds get the the best matchup. So amongst everyday players, I mean, Ramirez is only behind, like, Spencer Steer. That's all I can really see ahead of him. I guess also Ellie De La Cruz, who's played uh, 26 games. So I'm not going to count that either. But um, J-Ram, one of the best bats at the position, has nine stolen bases, 13 homers, uh, great uh, disciplined guy with more walk, a higher walk percentage than the steal percentage. But Travis... um, I'm going to go to shortstop now. I am going with Wander Franco. That might be a surprise as your eyes widen uh, greatly, but um I sounds like I think I know who you're going to go but I'll let you do the big reveal. Who do you have on the left side?
1: Yeah, we uh we surprisingly agreed to the third base spot, Alex. Um, you know, I, I definitely thought it was a Chapman Josh young kind of race it was uh it was an al uh race for that third base spot but the last couple of weeks I would say the last month of Jose Ramirez um, definitely showing that he is still the best third baseman in the game um he is um, he's definitely rising past uh that threshold of uh, of, of third base talent and, and again like I mentioned he's showing why we continuously give him so much respect at the end of every season Uh, I can definitely expect him to be most likely in that top two consideration. I think in October, when we made the make a final all MLB team, Uh, Jose Ramirez is just a special talent. Alex. Yeah. The shortstop position. uh, I was going to say there's, there's a lot of B level shortstops and there's just this a level top tier one guy on a monstrous role this year. And I, I want Corey Seager. Um, He has the, he has the, uh, he has the less he has less war than uh, than what Ronda Franco has. I think wanders in the four two range on baseball reference uh, Seegers at a 3.4. He did miss about a month of baseball. Uh, but that's why I, I still think that he it, it, what makes his numbers so outstanding, you know, 10 home runs batting a 355 uh, with a slug of 605 and a OPS above 1000. I think a lot of these a lot of the percentage stats aren't being recognized because of the low amount of at bats, maybe towards the end of the season, they'll actually start to get counted. We'll see where, um, I think, what is the, it's a, it's a ratio of like 3.1 at bats per game is what you need to carry. Mm-hmm. If you want to recognize, if you want to get recognized from some of the percentage per, stats per team game. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I went Seeger. I think we talked last episode or the last couple of episodes. I think at the end of this season, me and you will probably have him as one of our, as the best shortstop in the game. Um, when the season started we went with correa or trey turner as the number one guy Seeger, i think was number three or four for us but i mean i think he's proven it to be the best shortstop right now i mean this number these numbers are um on another level and uh I, I had to give him the respect of uh right now the first half team i think he will be starting the uh al all-star team in seattle at the shortstop spot but
0: um tell me why uh why wander yeah i, I wonder why Wander do you wander yeah so the reason i go wander i said this last time we did this exercise at the end of june i think that cory seager will be my shortstop of the season come october when we do our you know all mlb team for the full year i have been cory seager all the way um beginning of the season travis you and i both predicted him as a Dark horse for the MVP. That wasn't even that much of a hot take. I think a lot of people saw an offensive boom coming with the band shift, um, getting settled down into Texas uh, with more kind of support around him in the lineup. All that being said, I think that just the fact that Wander has played 82 games to Corey Seager's 55 is a factor for me. I do agree that if Seager played the same number of games as Wander... The the, the Seager numbers would probably blow Wander's numbers away, but that being said, uh, I think that Wander has had a very underrated year: two eighty-five average, three forty-three on base, four sixty-six slugging. Those numbers don't absolutely pop off the page like Seager's do, but I think it's a very good, um, very good hitting. I mean, it's a one twenty-seven WRC plus. We're talking about someone who's a well above average hitter not superstar hitting but all-star level hitting combined with 27 stolen bases and the best defensive rating by best defensive value by FanGraphs defense at the position. So if I'm telling you you're getting the best defender and the best base stealer at the position also iron man playing every single team game also being an all-star level bat I'm going to give that the nod for this first half team. I think that come October, Seager will be the better choice. I think the bat will have enough reps to kind of prove that it um, is durable. I think that Seager has over a 1,000 OPS. I don't think that's like unrealistic to maintain. I think he could keep that. This is not it's not like this kind of fluky thing that I think will regress. I think that he really is a top-tier hitter in the sport and he's playing shortstop a really tough position. Um his glove is not great and his base running is also not great, but that's okay. I think over the course of the year once his plate appearances start to catch up to Franco, I will again lean Seager, but for the time being, that's why I went Franco. The bat is not on the level of Seegers, but everything else is the best at the position from the speed, the base running, the uh, durability, the defense. Um, and I don't really care about this, but he's also playing on a team with uh, the best record in the American League. True. Um, so that is my case for Wander. Um, J-Ram, I think we're pretty much good there. He mm. is continuing to keep the position. Sad here uh, at the
1: third base spot. So I think J-Ram just, uh, you know, Keeping up his uh his respect and dominance at that it, spot.
0: It, it's funny how there's been lots of like ups and downs at, the, at this position. Chapman started hot, has really slipped. I don't even think he's listed as an MLB All Star reserve. Like he's like he went from like the man of April to like wow yeah really slipping off. And then um, Young is starting the spot and the All Star game, but he is having a bit of a decline himself the last few weeks. I think his strikeout rate is ballooning um and then which which of course is very reasonable for a rookie i'm not you know crucifying him for it but it just kind of goes to show you know muncie slow start then went absolutely crazy and then starts slowing down again J Ram, the model of consistency right travis every year can count on him to be like this i don't know six war guy that's yeah. gonna be the best year in year out so let's move on to outfield travis outfield i will let you go first um I expect some fun conversations here.
1: It is a uh, it's a wild first half for outfield, Alex. I don't know if I've you know injuries
0: to all the yes. big names, um, young super superstar stepping up. But who do you got for yeah, your three? Yeah,
1: so I, I feel like I had to go with two guys uh, to start off with. Um, I think I had to go. You, you, I think, Alex, we might get into a brawl right here in in, uh, in your back office. That uh, if Ronald Cunha Jr. is on your outfield, uh, that's going to be a big problem. But, you
0: know, you want to fight? <laughs>
1: Uh, I went with Acuna and Luis Robert. With what he's done in June, I mean, talk about just a resurgence. To I don't want to say his career, but I mean, this guy. We have not seen him play hundred games in a season in his entire career, and the hype that he was coming in to. I think in 2020 or 2019, it, it, and people were talking like this guy is going to be the next, you know, Mike Trout out there. But it just, it was not showing. And, and what he's done so far, 25 home runs in the first half so far. Uh, he is my second outfielder, so he will join Acuna. There's a there's a lot of good names, I will say. They're, they're, I narrowed it down to four guys, but I went with the... Um, I want the young buck, Alex. I want Corbin Carroll as my third outfielder. Uh, I, I, you know, I think he already right now has, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's I think he has 26 stolen bases right now, Corbin Carroll, and I think it's about 18 home runs. Let me double check on that. But I mean,
0: Carroll has 18 home runs.
1: 18 home runs, 24 stolen bases. I mean, Alex, we're looking at a guy that right now, you know depending if he doesn't get in a huge injury bug or it doesn't, you know, miss a ton of ball games. I mean, we're looking at a guy that's a lock for a 30-30 rookie season. Quite possibly, if he has a very hot month in September or August, could be closing in on a 40-40 season as a rookie. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. An OPS plus above a 150 um. I, I don't really know what to say about him. A 3.8 WAR, he's looking at probably already a seven, eight, seven or eight WAR to finish the season on his rookie year. He's a special kind of guy. There are special guys as well in the outfield, but I just I, I can't ignore what this guy's doing as a rookie right now for this Diamondbacks teams. He's leading the charge, and he is he is a big reason why they're first place. But that's my outfield Acuna. Luis Robert and Corbin Carroll are my three outfielders. Again, it it just feels weird saying those three names at the first half.
0: We agree on Acuna. Acuna (laughs) is the one guy who has to be a lock. Possibly on this whole list, if you had to pick one guy to lock him in, Acuna has to absolutely be on the first I think, half i, I think all he's MLB what five,
1: five war right now
0: he's on 4.9 fan graphs okay. war five baseball he he is um it looks like he's the best wrc plus among outfielders qualified outfielders you know we're not counting guys like judge who have missed uh, a lot of time um luke Rayleigh actually is just three points behind <laughs> him but luke Rayleigh is like one of these platoon guys for the rays like The Rays know how to use guys, and I'm just not even going (laughs) to pretend like that guy is a real uh, guy for this conversation. But Acuna Travis has to be here. The most impressive—I mean, he's been so impressive this year. The thing that jumps off the page to me the most is not being over 21 homers at the halfway point. It's not even that he somehow has a mind-blowing 41 steals at the halfway point. To me, the most impressive thing is he's only striking out 12% of the time. That does not make any sense to me, Travis. If I pull up his career numbers year in, year out, he's gotten slightly better at walking over time. Um, Actually, but it's kind of stabilized recently. But anyways, looking back at 2018, his rookie year, he struck out 25% of the time. 2019, 26% of the time. 2020, 29% of the time. So it kind of was going up. And once you get to around above 30 Things get a little bit concerning, like, does this guy strike out too much? You know, uh, guys like Stan live around 30 or maybe a little above that, and it's kind of like, okay, when this guy gets cold, he really gets cold. You know, he just can go, like, for these long stretches without even getting a hit. But then Acuna brings it down a bit, 23% in 2021, 23% again in 2022. So, Chavez, these are all in the 20s, right? Somehow this year he's striking out 12% of the time. That does not make any sense for yeah. a guy with his amount of power and his amount of like exit velo numbers. It does not make sense. He is able to avoid strikeouts at this kind of clip. And he's not really sacrificing walks. He still walks 10% of the time. He's not sacrificing power. He has 21 homers halfway through the year. Um, he's still running the bases at a great level. One of the best arms in baseball. The glove has slipped a bit, but you know, I don't really care. He is doing too much other amazing things um but travis that strikeout percentage to me is like as someone who cares about these kind of numbers it it truly i just don't even know to say of how i've never seen someone who already was a superstar and make that big of a change to their plate discipline i'm not sure um if it's a matter of him just being maybe two strikes he's just focusing more on just fouling stuff away Um, and then just wait for a pitch out of the zone and just take it and take your walk kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure what the big change is. I'd love to look more into it. I may have to do that, but the 12% walk percentage is something that power hitters cannot do, but he is doing it somehow. It's really impressive. All that to say, Travis Acuna is my lock for number one spot. Two and three, those last two spots, I was between three different names. Um, the two guys you mentioned, as well as Mookie Betts. I ended up going with Luis Robert and Mookie Betts um, to round out my first half outfield. Corbin Carroll, Travis, very deserving in his own right. If you look at Fangraph's war for Luis Robert, Corbin Carroll, Mookie Betts, it's 3.8, 3.7, 3.7. They're all right in the same group. Mm -hmm. Um, That's pretty much we'll call it a tie. The game's played. It's all you know, they're playing almost all their team games. We'll call it a tie pretty much. It's 82, 83, and 84 games played. All these guys are almost the exact same hitter by WRC+. plus. It's a 148 for Luis Robert, a 147 for Carroll, a 148 for Mookie Betts. So what's the difference maker? For me, I'm giving some props to Luis Robert for being one of the best centerfield gloves of the season he has been truly special defensively he makes up ground for other outfielders on that on his team that are not able to get to those balls in the gap he is special out there on defense Mookie Betts versus Corbin Carroll was really really tough for me Travis I'm going to give a slight edge to Betts' defense over Carroll's crazy stolen base numbers both guys are really elite Um, both guys have really good power Carroll had the least amount of home runs of the group with the most stolen bases. I really can see the argument for any of those. I'm not going to complain. I just think that what Betts is doing um, of, of between him and Carroll is the most likely to kind of continue. I think that what he has done is sustainable. Um, he's proven that play discipline skills are legit. Um, I'm I'm excited to see a second half from Corbin Carroll. What can he do? Can he have a full season that's as good as his first half? That's all stuff that um, I kind of need to see it before I can kind of totally buy in. But this is a first half award. I'm still going to rock with what Mookie Betts was able to do um, at the plate and on defense. But he's a shortstop. He also has that, pos- <laughs> that, that, that positional versatility, Travis, yes. that um, makes him useful for a team like this. Um, before we move on um, from this conversation, um, Juan Soto has had one of the quietest 152 WRC plus campaigns teammate, right, too. I've ever seen, and Travis Fernando Tatis Jr. I I tell you this, I almost oh yeah I, I almost penciled yeah. I almost penciled him in before I really had to give a bit more respect to Carolyn Betts, but Tatis Travis it doesn't another thing that doesn't make any sense to me Acuna's discipline change for me. An equally crazy thing is Tatis, his defensive change. He went from being like this really questionable shortstop who could make good plays, but made tons of errors, had bad range. I think he's just kind of maybe too big for the position. Not quite sure. He has been the best right fielder in baseball defensively this season. He has the most defensive run saved at the position. He's that's, Defensive run save is a stat that kind of accumulates over time. He has 15 defensive runs saved. He has 20 fewer games played than his teammate Juan Soto, 15 fewer games played than Corbin Carroll and Mookie Betts, and still has better defensive numbers across the board. I really don't understand how he has been so good in right field, but he has been so good in right field uh, defensively. I'll tell you, I didn't see that coming. I kind of wondered if them getting Bogarts and keeping Kim if they're kind of saying, you know what, we're just going to focus on Tatis as a bat, as a hitter, and that's going to be our guy. Um, And I'm like, wow, that's really a big dip in his value because I thought this was going to be an elite hitting shortstop, not an elite hitting DH or kind of corner outfielder. But we're getting actually a guy who is still a 5-2 player, just in a different position in right field, a great arm out there, and actually a great glove, which I really didn't see coming. But um, hats off to him.
1: And, and one thing that caught my eye too was the same war, baseball reference he had same war as Mookie Betts and um I think like you mentioned I think on on the at-bats it was 50 less at-bats
0: uh, he's gonna be right there at the end of the season He's, he's gonna, gonna be right us. there
1: yes yeah and, at the end of
0: the season I honestly could still say this outfit will change <laughs> I, I can say this outfit will change I can also say I like where I'm at with my Tatis I put money on him to win the MVP. Mm. I don't think it's likely because of what Acuna is doing. But if, you know, a knock on wood, I'm not wishing for it to happen. But if something happened to Acuna, if he had a big drop off or if he missed some time, I could see Tatis competing with any of these other guys, whether it be Betts, whether it be Carroll, whoever else is in that race. I can see that Tatis pretty much matching them in production.
1: He he definitely will. Um, What sucks is they're going to look at the team and say, if you're fourth place, you know. We might go with the guy that is in, you know, right a first place spot. But
0: in the same division as well. But <laughs> but um yeah, and then other guys, um Garcia and Trout, they were in the mix last time we did this. They were in the mix a little bit this time, but um trout, a bit of slippage, also the injury is gonna really ding him. Garcia, Travis, um deserves like all-star. Uh, consideration but not quite making a cut on this team
1: and judge i think too uh injury just i mean yeah i kind of devastated he, him i think it, it was 19 home runs and it was like the start of june I, I
0: i know how special he started the year but i didn't even i didn't even need to look at his numbers yeah, i mean he, yeah. you played less than 50 games um you know
1: yeah you you you, you should be looking at it's, these it's first t- half teams for guys who played the whole first half
0: <laughs> it's so. surprising that tatis is already has you know he he had the missed games from suspension but Tatis had to has already played what like 18 more games, but yeah, than Judge. But anyways, let's keep it rolling. Travis, um DH. We now. can skip that,
1: right? We can
0: Shohei Otani is the DH yes. for both of us. I don't Travis. I mean, the truth is I didn't even look. I did I, did, I didn't look <laughs> at I didn't look, look, I didn't look yep. at the yep. stats. Didn't need to. Your Don is a good hitter. Otani's been one of one this year JD's at the a plate. Good hitter, but yeah. Um and he also DH's every game. Some of these guys bounce around outfield, infield, whatever. Otani the every game. He's been the best hitter in the sport this season. I mention he season. pitches too? He does? You didn't know that. That's news. Wow. That's news to yeah. me. Let's keep rolling, Travis. Pitchers. It gets sad. at Pitching, it gets, it gets a little- Sad?
1: Well, not sad, but it just- it, What are you it's, sad about? I'm just, it, it's, we're gonna disagree a lot, but I just am- Are it's, we? <laughs> are we? It's just gonna be a, a, a fun top five to rattle off here. I'll start, Alex, with the top five for starting pitching. Uh, If I had my rotation for the first half, I went with Kevin Gosman of the Blue Jays, Sonny Gray of the Twins, Bryce Elder of the Atlanta Braves, Garrett Cole of the Yankees, and Framber Valdez of the Astros. Those are my five guys. Alex, rotation, what do you got?
0: You're right. We do disagree on some of these guys. So my rotation starts with the same guy yours did. Kevin Gosman has to be here for me. I go Zach Gallen. I go Nathan Nevaldi Spencer Strider, wow. and Faber okay. Valdez. So, okay. um, a lot of differences. Did you have Gallon? I did not. No. Okay. No. So you you dropped Gallon. You oh, because Elder. Okay. You had Elder, Elder Cole, yes. and what was the other difference? The
1: Sunny Gray. Sunny Gray. Sunny okay. Yeah. Yep. So
0: um, this happens almost every time we do this. Test where it feels like there's probably ten guys who have like a yes. chance to be in the conversation. Maybe even fifteen sometimes. Um,
1: Let let, let, let me, I'll point something out first before we start this debate uh, that I was looking up because I was just so amazed by the stat. But if you, you know, I don't really know. How how do you, do you agree that 2020 stats in terms of percentages should be a little bit of an asterisk?
0: The year 2020? Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, Some stats. So if like, for instance, did, did, did one Soto finish with like a 1200 OPS? Yeah. So So. would you count that as like against another guy from another year? No. Okay. It's obviously different. So we we agree. Okay. Okay. Because right now, you know, looking up all time in a single season, um, the best strikeouts per nine um, innings pitch is 2020 Bieber. I think it's a Mm -hmm. 14.2. Giving a lot of credit, Spencer Strider is at a 14.1. I don't have him on my list. He he did have some starts that really just blew up. uh, He did. With... Tons of runs, but that's what kind of happens sometimes when you're just a big strikeout pitcher and you have a lot of heat. Sometimes the barrel just runs into some of these balls and they go to the ballpark. But I just wanted to point out, too, I know I did not have Strider, but I completely agree and get the argument with Strider. I think he was just right on deck for me. But uh, what an amazing season a 14.1 strikeouts per nine right now what, what, what he's been doing on the mound is just unbelievable
0: yeah i'm really big on strikeouts as you know the walks um for him have not been a huge problem a few more walks than the other elite uh elite of the elite pitchers that we're talking about but not a big issue the walks um and then yeah the, the velocity on his fastball is obviously amazing his slider is like also kind of unhittable the era is not Quite on the level of some of the guys we're talking about, three, six, six. But his expected ERA, his FIP, his expected FIP, all much better than his ERA. So I do think he will trend back down. Those blow up starts were, you know, unfortunate um for his ERA and his season stats. I still think he is as legit as we kind of thought he was a couple months ago before those blow ups. I'm not worried about him in the long term. If there's any concern, um, it still is kind of weird that he's mostly like a two-pitch pitcher. Mm-hmm. I hope that's not like an issue that ever kind of comes up, but I think the amount of strikeouts he has kind of proves that he is able to kind of in, endure that um, factor. Uh, I don't care about win loss record, Travis, but he is ten and two, which is on a, on a really good team. So yep. that's another you know, kind of feather in his cap as well. Um, quick praise to Gosman since we both had him. We'll just kind of get him out of the way. Also, an elite strikeout guy, Fip King, <laughs> Fip Travis Fip King. Um, at two, four, nine, that's very, very good. Uh, strikes out a ton. Of, I mean, FIP is all about strikeouts, walks, and homers. He has a lot of strikeouts and he's actually been pretty good at limiting walks about, you know, on par with other guys that we're talking about, um, on par for the elite, um, elite pitchers this season if i sort by uh strikeouts by strikeout percentage by walk percentage the top 2 in the sport are strider and gosman okay um i like them too for that reason a lot um and then who else did we agree on? Framber Valdez. Framber, yep. yep. So Framber Valdez, um, to give him his his uh, his just do here. He's someone who I usually kind of shy away from. I love a, a strikeout pitcher more so than, more so than a contact manager, but yes, He's been managing contact very very well, and the strikeout numbers are not too bad. Twenty six percent is mm-hmm. still a really good number to be at. Um, overall, he has a really good ERA at two four nine. And I think that despite not getting that many strikeouts, he has proven over like maybe two and a half seasons now that whatever I thought might have been a bit of a fluke in terms of like, oh, he just gets weak contact. At some point, that will start becoming, you know, balls in the gap. Guys might get to him more because he doesn't strike out guys enough. I think he's kind of put any of those doubts to bed. He has been able to kind of consistently be a guy who has an ERA that is, I mean, his ERA, I feel like it's always a bit better than his expected ERA because those balls in play, I mean, they're hit weak. He has good ground ball stuff. Um, and yeah, and what was the biggest reason why you went with Framber? Yeah, best
1: ERA in the American League. Um, just looking at the consistency, I mean, I, I think he is Mr. Uh, um, quality Start. Right. Uh, just you, you, you depend on him every single start that he is going to go out there and pitch five or six innings. He's going to only give up two or three runs at most. So it's just the model of consistency that Framber, you know, provides out there. That that's why I felt like you know I I I tried to make the argument for so many other guys, but just it Framber just makes it tough um, with that ERA, especially being so great this year. I, I just kind of had to give it to him with uh with with how special he's been this season. It's funny, you know, it, every year. You know, I feel like we we look at a, you know, a, a big pitcher leaves the Astros. You know, Verlander left them last year. You know, in 2019, Cole left them. But it, it's it's just crazy that they keep on replacing some of these great starting pitchers with just younger talent. And Framer's is that new guy. And then, you know, whenever McCullers might get healthy, you know, you got a one-two punch that kid. Go out there and really do damage in a playoff series.
0: I, I do think McCullers is out for the year. Okay. Which is absolutely devastating as someone who drafted him in fantasy and like like the 18th round or something like that but um i completely agree with what you say about framber uh looking at the three guys who we were different on in our um our, our analysis here i had evaldi mm-hmm. i'll get into why i included him 112 innings pitched is the third most in baseball and he has one fewer start than the two guys ahead of him. So in many ways, he is the best bet to go deep into a game in terms of innings pitched. The strikeouts are not phenomenal, but overall, he's done a really good job of um, you know managing contact. The ground ball rate is above 50%, uh, does not allow too many home runs, which was a problem in some years past for him. I think it was 2021 when I had him as like one of the Cy Young favorites, but his ERA wasn't that good because he gave up like way too many home runs. That's kind of auto-corrected this year. It's a bit better. ERA is at a 2 six, 4 which is very good. Um, some of the expected stats a little bit worse, but I still think that he is in my top five pretty solidly. Um, Another guy, Zach Gallen, who I'm going to include in my top five, has had a really good first half, a 315 ERA, um, even better FIP, which is why um, he kind of gets this level of status for me at a 283 FIP. Um, And the strikeout stuff for him is, is pretty good, not on the superstar level of guys like Otani, and gosman and strider but i still think that he's actually been really good at limiting walks which is kind of one of the reasons why he uh makes my team here um i'm trying to find him on the he looks like he's eighth eighth best uh, walks per nine in the big leagues this season so that's something that's really good to kind of uh, to kind of i guess have on your uh i guess i can tip my cap to that and Mm -hmm. then the last guy who i included was oh Strider who I already covered. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So so yep. go ahead and give me your three that I, I missed on.
1: Yeah, so uh Sonny Gray being one of the guys. Um Sonny Gray is funny, you know, interesting to look at a bunch of these leaderboards on, on pitching, but Sonny Gray is the only guy in major league baseball right now where he is top five in um starting pitching war, ERA era plus and FIP so that's actually I think pretty outstanding that he's uh able to be a top five in all of those just really impressive categories so Sonny Gray I felt like I needed to give the respect on him for being a uh uh in my rotation does not have a lot of strikeouts um usually strikes out one guy per inning is what his average is so there are guys that are not just killing it with the strikeouts that I, I probably wish I would have put but uh just some of these uh you know Average numbers and percentage numbers. I, I just, I have to give the respect there. Um, Bryce Elder is just such a, it's such a weird guy. But I mean, hope, got, hope Bryce doesn't listen to this. But uh, <laughs> no, but just, I mean, he's going to be pissed, Travis. You know, leads baseball in ERA and ERA plus. The FIP is not it's not very liking to what he brings he's not a huge strikeout pitcher 102 innings to only 80 strikeouts so he's not really just shoving it but i, I don't know i just could not ignore alex the lowest era in baseball and, and the best era plus in baseball is not on our on our um on our top 5 rotation he has just been a a complete I, and i really wonder if he is still up for rookie consideration because he did pitch last year me he had nine starts in and 10 games pitched over 50 54 innings pitched. so I don't know what that qualifies for uh rookie status but I mean imagine in the end if you have to do Bryce Elder and uh Corbin Carroll for your rookie of the year I'm sure they give it to Corbin Carroll but I mean if the guy with the best ERA and ERA plus is and also seven and one you know if he is a rookie i it, talk about just a tough way to go about that vote and then you got guys like you know Ellie De la Cruz who is just such an exciting player and a lot of those Cincinnati Red player Cincinnati Reds are um are going to be up there so I, I, I it's funny how i look at this year's rookie of the year voting and how it could just be one of the hardest uh one of the hardest things to vote on but
0: uh, he, I, i'll confirm he lost his rookie status okay, last year good yeah so good. that makes so it easier right. it makes it easy to kind of lean carol unless ellie does some uh, ungodly things in the second half of the season um i travis you mentioned the elder era cannot disagree he's over 100 innings pitched so it's not like it's some small tiny sample size he has earned the right to be in his conversation um but you and i kind of know um how I feel about guys who I feel like there's some flukiness going on, and, you know, no no shade to him wishing him the best ERA he could possibly have. But I, I, I can just tell you that, you know, the, the lack of strikeouts, the way it's all kind of been um, kind of good luck on balls in play, it's going to regress here at some point. I'm not sure exactly when, but um, the Braves have been able to ride this guy quite a bit, and he's done a great job overall. Um, but I think there's going to be a bit more long ball, in his future, probably a bit more um, a blow-up start here or there um, due to the lack of strikeouts. Like you said, the FIP is worse in the ERA. So is the expected ERA, the expected FIP. It's all not that special. Um, Fangraph's war cares about FIP instead of ERA, which is why it's really funny that he's like 29th in Fangraph's mm-hmm. war for starting pitchers. Um and then you had one more guy, I believe. Yeah, last
1: guy is Garrett Cole. Um, oh yes, please. He's to me just kind of that generic, like he's got to be on there, right? <laughs> I mean, he's he's having a good year, a two point seven nine ERA. You know, last year Alex, I think he was up towards a four ERA at some parts of the season. He finished with a three five. But we were definitely wondering, you know, what's going on? Why is Garrett Cole? Why why is why is his why are some of his fastballs just running into some of these barrels and, he, and he's just giving up so many home runs uh I think yeah I led the American League with 33 home runs last year uh this year has cleaned it up of course like I said the ERA down to a 2.79 um and the strikeouts are looking good he's at a 118 for that and then the ERA plus is at a 150 but I, again he's just the generic guy I feel like is. Uh, year in and year out going to give you that uh, that top five spot in the rotation and i'm confident that at the end of the year he'll be in the top five for both of our lists from what he brings to the table so um it just feels like he's not he's not really a thought that much to to look at because you know the numbers are are going to be good but I could definitely see Strider being a, a a more obvious pick. I could look at um, you know some of the other guys that you had as well being uh, being being a sexier pick for right now, uh, but that's pretty much it for my starting rotation. Anything else you want to get into with that?
0: I think that about does it. I think it's good to shift into uh, closing pitching here for this Travis. I imagine we're rolling with the same dog.
1: I hope so because last month we
0: didn't. And I was
1: very surprised.
0: Last month we did. I think it was for good reason. Do you do you, do you, do you disagree?
1: I, yeah, yeah. I think I
0: made a good case. I have to go back and listen. Yeah, to that. you made a good case, but yeah, I have to go listen listen to that episode yeah, again. But yeah. at this point, Travis. Last in case uh, listeners aren't sure, last month I did go with Alexi Diaz over Felix Bautista. Since then, Bautista has the better ERA. He has the better expected ERA, FIP, better expected FIP more strikeouts per nine fewer walks per nine uh more innings pitched i'm sure he has more saves actually he's one save shy than diaz um, which is interesting
1: which is funny because him and cano i think both have like 15 or both i think both him and cano have like 15 or more saves so they're they're splitting the time
0: but travis batista of course is both of our pick he just has to be uh the pick he is striking out travis 50% of the guys he faces, Um, that 50% strikeout rate is not something you pretty much see ever over a full season. So we'll see if he can keep that up. That would be a very special mark to kind of be at. The 1.13 ERA is very, very good, of course. And all the advanced stats back it up. He is just not hittable right now. The fastball is uh, just... One of the best in the game and then his splitter is also just totally unhittable. When you
1: have a pitch called the bowling ball splitter, it kind of just uh it, it it gives you credit on being the best closer in the game right there.
0: And and looking at other guys who might even uh challenge him, you know, I feel like no one is that close. Um there are other guys who have in good years, of course, but I just don't see anyone really kind of competing. I think it's his teammate.
1: I honestly would have to argue; it'd probably be uh, was it Yennie or
0: Yeah, he's also having a good year. He has a one point uh, five one ERA. Um, there's guys around the league, Travis, who have been pretty good. Um, Chris uh, Martin for the Boston has had a one six seven ERA. Um, you know, there's guys around the league, Travis, who have sub two ERAs in relief. But the thing that sets um, Felix Batista apart is his absolutely elite strikeout numbers his i mean pretty high inning pitch number um and then pretty much consistently being able to close down the game being towards the top of the saves leaderboard but chairs that's a pretty easy discussion i would say him uh, and shohei were uh not really uh really a thought you know right right you could pretty much just if you just know the numbers you don't have to really double check and you know already which way you're going to be leaning but um, yeah, I think overall the biggest gap between Bautista and Yenir Cano, Bautista striking out like almost double the amount of yeah, guys, yeah. Um, which is a huge plus in my book. Of course, Travis, that pretty much wraps up our um, thing here. If we're going to – I didn't prepare this part, Travis. We always do a man of the whatever. Oh, yeah. Man of the yeah. first half. I didn't think about it. <laughs> <And> we already <laughs> we already know who it is. You're right. You're right. Um, sure yep. Otani is obviously the man of the first half. If the season ended today, he is the probably the yeah. He would have to be the um, unanimous MVP. I would say uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Maybe there's a White Sox fan, Travis, that's like Luis Robert has been a difference yeah. maker. But I, I, I. I. Even Otani, you can make the case in. Let's do that. What What's the case? Who? Which no, I, which yeah. fan base voter and which player probably like on a winning team could steal a vote? I mean, in the American League, I I don't think anyone on the Astros. I don't think anyone on Texas because Sears not played enough games. Yeah, Judge has been hurt. No one on the Red Sox.
1: I mean, if Franco were to have like an eight and a half, war, no, the hitting's
0: not good enough.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, but I mean, some people might be like, "Well, but he's on a winning team, and like right, they, they're right, just right. gonna have that like aspect." But no, you, you, you're gonna have to make a stupid argument to say, you know, my guy deserves a vote, and there could be one voter out there that says, "I, I don't want this to be unanimous. I want to spoil it, and um, yeah, I'm gonna go with you know so and so." So. uh I, yeah, I can't see anybody. I mean, the, the the NL is is the one that's the most competitive right now. Acuna, um, you know, you throw in Corbin yeah, Carroll, we, we, you throw we, in Soto, even a rise. If he had, were to get closer back up to 400, then you definitely have to include him. But
0: one bad month from uh, Acuna could make that race super, super competitive. There could be five, six guys
1: definitely all,
0: all in that race. But I and, and I uh, always
1: begs the question, Alex, I don't know what happens if Otani gets traded to
0: the NL. I don't. I don't know how that works out. I don't know what happens either, Travis. But he would have to win MVP, whatever. Yeah. Oh, oh for sure. For whatever. Sure. For sure. Whatever he qualifies for, AL or NL, however that works, you give him the award. Of course. That would just be the stupidest robbery. I, I'm of course assuming you know he stays healthy and yep. and doesn't mm-hmm. you know fall off or blah blah blah. But based on what he's doing right now, the gap is just so large that it would just be ridiculous to not give him some of that hardware uh, at season's end. Travis, let us, before we finish the episode, talk briefly about the All-Star finalization of the roster. There still will be some changes before the game because, of course, um, there's going to be pitchers who pitch the weekend before and get taken off the roster. They have to fill in with some other guys. There might be some injuries. Already have been plenty of injuries that guys need to fill in for. But all that being said, Travis, there were still, of course, Some egregious omissions that we get angry about. Um, Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to rant and ramble about how this guy or that guy, how could they not include him? Whether it be the voters picking, whether it be the coaches picking the reserves, doesn't matter. There's no excuse for some of the guys to be vacant. Travis, what in your mind was the biggest snub guy left off whether it be the starting or the reserves who do you feel like and and maybe they got put in after the fact as an injury replacement but someone that is that just it didn't make sense to you why they got snubbed over someone else
1: oh it's fun to look at the comparison of whit merrifield getting in to the reserves and then you get injuries and then you have to add a guy like wander franco in, who was not an all-star what three days ago or right. so I think it was when Trout got injured and when um I think Jordan got finalized as an injury that they had to add um some of these guys and so they added in Kyle Tucker uh Julio Rodriguez and Wander Franco Julio I think has just been added on just because it's 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 the youth of Julio it's it's that you know could he be the the, the new face of baseball in the next couple of years he is you know he has not had a season in my opinion that is all-star worthy but um sometimes you just got to add on some of these guys, but, uh, yeah, the, 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 no, the no wonder Franco, but you have Whit Merrifield to me just absolutely is an abomination on the entire institution.
0: Something, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that we agree Travis and that you're as kind of fired up about it as I am because Wander Franco, like I said, Travis, he is my shortstop of the year. Travis. if, if the season ended right now and they did MVP voting right now, Otani is MVP in the AL. Mm -hmm. Who's second? Who's third? Franco is like right there. Like second or third or fourth. Very true. Very true.
1: Yeah. Honestly, honestly. who? There's really no one that's just grabbing that number two spot in
0: my opinion. Yeah, you got guys, you know. 100% if the season ended today, Franco is getting top five MVP votes. 100% how is he not i mean if, if you want to give it to seeger over him the starting spot i can live with that to have an infield including whit merrifield on the all-star reserves <laughs> yep whit merrifield i don't want to blast the guy i, I don't want to like you know just no no we, we, we can yeah we can blast them to us because you know he didn't do anything wrong necessarily but looking at his numbers a 1.2 FanGraphs wore a 100 wrc plus so he's pretty much exactly an average hitter. Uh, 19 stolen bases is pretty nice, and he probably plays a decent defense, but his defense is not as good as Franco's. His stolen bases are not as good as Franco's. His hitting is much worse than Franco's. I mean, all, all his stats are worse than Franco's. I just don't... I completely don't understand the argument at all. Besides the fact that, you know, Canada was able to get him into the, like, top two, you know, for, like, the voting or whatever. Um to decide who would become a starter and so maybe like because i think the coaches picked the reserves right so maybe the coaches like saw that and the the love he was getting and gave Mm -hmm. him a nod there but um it is pretty ridiculous travis uh overall franco just has been uh one of the best players in the american league honestly this season and i'm glad he's at least getting in somehow but it is still pretty sad like you said um
1: yeah it's 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 you you love to watch the all-star game you love to watch you know and and be a part of the selection especially when you look at you know the phase one and the phase two selecting you know the starters um but sometimes you just look at these rosters and you're just like man like you know i I wonder how some of the guys feel they got left out that like imagine wander gets left out it's like but you are the best uh you have the best positional war in the american league i think outside of um you know Shohei Otani but he is of the course, pitcher, a pitcher yeah I think hitter, position
0: but- player war alone he might be number one Franco, yes yeah, yeah and not an all-star number um, two
1: right behind Acuna for the MLB
0: um, looking at the pitchers Travis another kind of crazy um, omission a guy who was formerly an angel so we kind of know him quite well but I have a funny tweet that kind of sheds light on his situation I'm talking about Michael Lorenzen is gonna be a representative for the Detroit Tigers. I do get it, Travis, that the Tigers need to include somebody, right? That's I, a, I get it, but I, I it's hate, a rule.
1: I hate the whole every and, and, team's gotta have
0: one. And Travis, I think everybody agrees now. Everyone, this has been going on too long where these guys get in and other guys miss out because someone on some bad team had to include some like average player. Here is um the initial list of starting pitchers announced before any injuries or anything like that. These are, This is the initial list here. Framber Valdez, Sonny Gray, Shane McClanahan, Nathan Ivaldi, Garrett Cole, Shohei Otani, Kevin Gosman, Luis Castillo. Those guys are first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth in ERA in the American League. And then the Michael Lorenzo was the last guy, and he's 28. So you have literally the first... Through eighth best ERAs in the American League, and you're just throwing the 28th best in there. They're just <laughs> throwing them into the mix, and it's like, which one of these guys is the imposter, right? Which one of these guys is not like the others? Um, it is pretty, you know. I I'll just I put it. It's pretty it's pretty silly that yep. there is not a better way to do this. I don't think Travis, a Detroit uh, Tigers fan, is going to be really disappointed. If they don't get to watch Michael Lorenzen in the game, I think teams that ha- fans of teams that don't have an All Star, you know, it's kind of like, well, yeah, we suck. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I like mean, who, I mean, it, it, it's good to. They're see. still going to tune into the game. They not They're not going to tune in because Michael Lorenzen's in the game. And 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 Michael Lorenzen is he even going to get
1: an inning? I mean, we don't know. We we, we literally <laughs> could just be there to literally wave his hat and say hello, and then and then he's not even going to get you know a, a an inning or, or or a couple innings or a couple at bats, but.
0: If anything, Tigers uh, fans might even just be like, "This is stupid." Like, yeah, why yeah. did the MLB give it to him when there's other guys that are filling I mean, in? I e- know
1: easy replacement. I mean, Reed Detmer is one of our one of our you know one of our most solid pitchers in the first half. Um, you know, he has a three seven two ERA. I know there are many other guys that could have been replaced or could have been put in that position, but you I, know, I know, looking at a- some of our guys.
0: George Kirby um, is slotted in, I think, as a replacement for McClanahan uh, injury. And so, like, Mm -hmm. that's already one guy who—I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can just tell you his ERA is better than Michael Lorenzen's. Um, Looking at other snubs, Travis, American League relievers— um, this one was kind of going viral on Twitter a bit. There's a lot of relievers who have better numbers than Emmanuel Classe this year. But Classe got in because he just kind of has that he has the, respect yeah. from the last mm-hmm. couple years being really good. He throws, obviously, crazy gas, has this crazy cutter that goes like 100 and whatever miles an hour. Um, he has been great as a reliever across his career. This year, the numbers are not that good. And actually, the day that this got announced, he gave up like three runs in the ninth.
1: I saw that. Which yep. was just
0: kind of like a bit of a bit of irony there towards the people selecting this. I think it's coaches that select uh, the pitchers, but overall, Travis, I mean a 3.54 ERA from your closer. Um, literally a point 0.1 base reference war. And that's an all-star over many other guys, Travis, who have been much better out of the pen. Let me uh let me sort this by just American League. I know off the top of my head. Um, the Angels' closer, um, Estevez, has already... Um, I think he's been perfect with save situations. Mm-hmm. I think every save situation he's been thrown into, he has got—he has not blown any saves yet, essentially. I think he's 21 for 21 or something like that. But his ERA is better than Class A. They asked him after after the game when it got announced that um, Estevez did not make the All-Star team. He was kind of bummed out about it. And I understand that because uh, I guess my overall thought is... I want to include the best guys, right? I don't think that your prestige from years past, um, your name, the market you play for should really have a factor. But unfortunately, it does have too big of a factor um, in this. Um, Just looking at other guys, Travis, who are relievers that could have gotten this spot. I mean, just to be clear, the guys who were included are Kenley Jansen, Emmanuel Classe, Felix Bautista, and there are plenty of other American League arms that make more sense than Class A in this spot. Um, I know Spores on uh, Texas has had a really good year. I already mentioned um, Estevez. Um, looking at other names, Clay Holmes has a better ERA than Class A, and he's been closing games uh, for the Yankees. Um, who else here? Jason Foley has a 2.17 ERA for Detroit. Make him your rep. How come you had to include what's his face? (laughs) How come you had to include Lorenzen? Just use a Detroit reliever with a 2.17 ERA. What's the problem with that? Um, I mean, just looking down the list, there's just tons of guys who I think have been superior. Um, even Ryan Presley, who has not had a great year by his standards per se, still a 2.58 ERA is better than class A's. Um, and Travis, I'm the guy who preaches that ERA is not the end all be all, but class A has just, in my mind, not been good enough to be um one of only four relievers. And, you know, maybe more guys will get added. We'll see how that goes. But any other big omissions, big complaints um from looking at these guys here?
1: Nothing too I mean, I, I I'm not gonna get too worked up about some of these guys like I did, you know, like with Wanderer and, and the and the Whit Merrifield dilemma, but um you know, oh, there. Are oh, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, You know, it's fun that you have representation from every team, but I mean, I'm sorry, but if if I mean, I know Oakland's on. It's just been an awful season for the A's, but and, and you know, Brett Rooker was unbelievable the first month. I mean, he was the best DH, and it's desperately, desperately cooled down um, from there. I think right now, at, if you know, if his numbers are, are still poor after this weekend, he'll probably have an OPS below in 800, and he's a DH, but. I don't know. I, I just I don't get the idea of rewarding a team one player just because you kind of have to have that sportsmanship. I know I'm getting worked up about it. It's an all-star game. It used to matter because it used to mean who gets home field advantage and it actually was a, a, a tough fight, but now it's just more of a, you know, almost a charity game where let's all have fun and uh you know sing kumbaya. But uh I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just I feel like there's some other guys that maybe are more represented in this than other guys just because but just because we have to give a guy a uh you know an all-star game um you know reward for representing and being the best player on his team i don't know
0: i I, i'd rather get the best players in the league the nods
1: and i think the fans would rather see the best players in the league let's get some let's get some rocket arms out of the bullpen let's get some you know exciting young talent that you know i i didn't see uh and we'll get to the a NL side, but, um, you know, I don't see LA de la Cruz. And and I think that that's someone that the world and the, uh, United States would love to see at a big level like this. But
0: if nothing um, else, also a hormone derby for him, like, yeah, like he just should be in the weekend somehow or in the week. Like he is someone who has been too exciting, um, in his first debut a month and a half, um, that he's been in the bigs. How can you not have Mm -hmm. him involved somehow? Travis, one other Interesting omission. Um, I will not even say interesting. I'll just say I don't get it. I'm looking at Lourdes Guriel being included over <laughs> a handful of other guys and outfielders that I think deserve way more props. Um, Travis, someone that I think that is not on many people's radar for having a great year, but in my mind, a sneaky great year, is Christian Yelich. Um, Yelich deserves to be an all star before Lourdes Gurriel. I don't even think it's that close, in my opinion. Yelich has 20 stolen bases. He has 10 home runs. He has a 127 WRC. He is almost at three fan gaps from war. So he's on pace for like almost like a five and a half to six war season. Like he is for sure an all star this year. He has really become an all around player again. Um, he's already has more steals this year than he did last year. And he played like the full year last year. So, um, he is someone who I am really happy is having a bounce back um, in a lot of ways. Um, still not MVP Yelich, but I'm talking about a 380 on base, a 450 slugging. He is at least back to like Miami, like the best version of Miami Yelich is kind of what we're seeing right now. Now that he's like a 31 year old, he's still able to kind of get back to his roots here. He's been playing great baseball. Also, Travis Fernando Tatis Jr. Fernando Tatis Jr. I. And considering putting him on like an MVP valet, he was not only snubbed from the starting outfield, he was snubbed from the reserve outfield for the NL side of the All Star game. Do you think that's mostly a punishment, a slap on the wrist, uh, in regards to the steroid stuff? Because the numbers to me, they don't lie. Maybe some people might just see something, uh, in Guriel had like a really good month, but I just personally do do not understand keeping Tatis off. He has been one of the most electric players in baseball. And yes, I get it that he, you know, cheated, and some, some people might never forgive him, whatever it might be. But I mean, he—if you're comparing the hitting between Gurriel and Yelich, it's not even. Cl- uh, sorry, sorry, Gurriel and Tatis. It's not even close that Tatis is better. If you're comparing the base running, it's not even close. The defense, it's not even close. Like, in what world? What world am I living in, Travis? Where Tatis is watching this game from his couch and Guriel starting I mean or he's a reserve but explain that to me yeah a nice
1: little slap on the wrist I think that they' are their fallback is probably saying oh he doesn't have enough at bats or enough games you know he didn't, he, didn't he, he missed you know almost a month uh to begin the season so you know I think there are other guys that are more deserving but yeah I mean the war says 3.8 for baseball reference it's better than half of those guys on the reserves and again makes no sense I don't get it. I think everyone would love to see a talent like him come in for a pinch hit or come in late in the ball game and impact the game with his defense, with his speed, with his power. Uh, yeah, another thing I could I could harp on for the all-star game and things I don't get. Uh, but, you know, I know that all things can't go my way. So Yeah,
0: Charles, we're, we're kind of learning to live with it. Um, lots. There's some other question mark guys, but, you know, a guy like Josiah Gray, I mean, he just gets in because the Nats need somebody to get in. You know, that's kind of the way it's going to be every year until they kind of change that rule. We're hoping it kind of happens sooner than later.
1: Which I'm surprised they don't get a guy like even, um, I think, Jaimer Candelario is having a great year.
0: Yeah, they could have used him a instead. a good reserve because
1: he plays, I think, first and third base. I think even some outfields, so he could have been a great reserve, you know?
0: They, they could have used him as an infielder over maybe a guy like Dansby who has been— about an average bat, a good glove, but like I think his name and, and what he did last year is kind of helping his cause get on the reserves this year. Also, Albie's. I think you know Candelaria could have a case over either of those guys. Also, Catal Marte in my mind should be a reserve. I hope he gets in off like the um, an injury gets him in or somehow yeah. mm-hmm. because he is a, a really fun bat that I think deserves to kind of be a part of this type of game. I mean, I would I would I would lean Marte before guriel different mm-hmm, positions mm-hmm. but just if you're talking about the best players on the diamondbacks after Carroll, if i'm thinking about who i'd like to be at the game Cattell comes to mind before guriel for me i get that guriel had a really good month earlier in the year but looking at the whole sample it's not as impressive to me travis that is just about all we have for this episode um
1: quickly give me your picks on these home run derbies uh uh matchups so we're run, run through it uh Number one, Luis Robert against number eight, Adley Rushman. Um, it, it's fun. The, the derby, you think it might go one way, but some guy will just absolutely surprise you. But that first uh, battle between one and eight, how do you how do you see it go?
0: It's, it's who again?
1: Uh, Robert against Rushman.
0: I'm going to go with Robert just because his power has been so hot as okay. of late. I think that Rushman has a chance to be a total Cinderella run here, but I'm going to go with um, Robert. Okay, and then um,
1: between those two guys, whoever wins that, they'll be facing the winner of. It's not really the. I wouldn't say this is the fun matchup to watch, but Adolis Garcia and Randy Arosarena, those two, both guys just kind of not huge on the home run totals for the year, but both I think could have you know very fun and sneaky power and pop in that ballpark.
0: Yeah, that's tough. I, I I guess I'll go with Garcia. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who has the better raw pop. I have to look at the numbers and exit velo, but I I think that both guys have the ability to make a little run. Um, both aren't really favorites, but I think Adolus might have more upside. Um, in the raw power gotcha. department.
1: Okay, okay. Now the other side of the bracket, you go, and this is probably the probably the most fun matchup. Um, Pete Alonso, who's second, uh, the two seed against the seven seed. Uh, Julio Rodriguez so you get the home, not the hometown guy but you get the uh, home field advantage for Rodriguez against Alonso, who just seems to love these derbies I think he's in it every single year I think he has two derbies to his name now it is I think though he won it in Cleveland and then he won it in Colorado so he is a two-time winner I think last year he actually got taken out by either julio julio or soto in the semifinal round but uh you got like i mentioned you have alonzo and julio who which julio put on a show last year alex um what do you have for this matchup
0: i'll go pete it could obviously go either way i'll say pete gets revenge makes a run to the final um since he missed on the final last year but he obviously knows what he's doing in this kind of competition. And Julio uh, was great last year, got really hot. Um
1: He's got that whole meditation working out. Remember last year when he was like underground taking <laughs> BP and like he was like... He was just in the zone. Eyes closed, like meditating while like other guys were like taking reps. He was like finding his peace. But yeah. yeah. I think
0: that Pete, um, he has obviously the stamina just to yeah, like get through. Yeah. He's made it to the final so many times. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And uh the final... um the final two guys in the initial round, you got Mookie Betts against Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, I I think me and you would both agree. It it just seems like we saw Vladdy in 2019 and that was really fun. He's got unbelievable power and exit velo. Betts probably does have some good power and some good fun and pop, but I feel like Guerrero Jr. just should win that one. I don't want to say relatively easy, but it's, it's an obvious, you know, I think an, an obvious guy to pick to easily advance to the round number
0: two. Dark horse. I'll say Okay, I'll say Dark bets. horse. Okay. I I I don't think it's particularly likely or like a necessarily smart pick because Guerrero does know how to crush the ball, great exit below. I think that Mookie is such a smart hitter. I think that he is just going to be able to pull balls down the left field line over and over again. Um, just kind of fl- just kind of flicking them out almost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I that's just kind of a. That'll be my one bold take of of this uh, of this exercise here. I think that you know Guerrero has a chance to easily win the whole thing because he has so much pop. Gotcha, gotcha. I'll say the Mookie upset.
1: Out of all eight, I know you gave me your um, top four. Who do you think will take it though? Out of those uh, four guys that I think you selected, I think you had Robert and Garcia, and then you also had Robert Garcia, Bets Alonso.
0: Bets Alonso. I will. I'll. Let's go with Robert. I think, uh, you know, number a, one seed, a, wow. a new a new face uh, to the competition. Just so much raw power on the dude, and has been crushing the ball all month. I did see a fun tweet, Travis, about I'm not sure if it was a month ago, a little over a month ago. I think we brought it up on the podcast. Things are going really bad for the White Sox and Luis Robert like didn't jog out an infield grounder. Oh yes. Um and like in May, yeah. Like he you 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 watched the replay and he would have for sure beat it out if he sprinted cuz he's so fast. He was jogging and he like was out by like half a step cuz the the infielder made, made a slow throw. I think ever since that moment someone did the stats and he has the best position player war in baseball from that moment to now. Um and so that is just a, That's really cool to see, a yeah. testament to how hot he has been. Um, he flipped a switch and he has been awesome ever since. So, um, big ups to him, Travis, that pretty much wraps up our episode here. If you guys made it this far, we appreciate you so much. We'll come back at you guys after the all-star break with our thoughts going into the second half. We'll have plenty to discuss and we'll talk to you guys then.
1: Presented by tool tools podcast. (laughs)